0: Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast, no problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Fred Johnson. He is the president of Team Select Home Care and is passionate about making the world a better place for medically fragile children and their families. A large portion of Fred's career has been devoted to driving innovation and data analytics. He completed his undergraduate studies in business from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, an MBA from Cleveland State University, and an advanced certificate in data analytics from Cornell University. Fred and Team Select are pioneering new home care models for medically fragile children that save state Medicaid organizations millions of dollars per year, while also driving 80 to 95% reductions in hospitalizations and hospital expenses. I'm excited for today's talk. I uh, had a chance to connect with Fred previously and just incredible work that they're doing. And uh, it's going to be a treat for, for everybody listening to hear some of the insights. So Fred, such a pleasure to have you here with us today.
1: Uh, thank you so much, Saul. Really excited to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, you guys are doing some brilliant work and I mean, your, your career history is fascinating and just the way that you do things in general. Before we dive into the meat and bones of what you guys are Doing at Team Select. Tell me a little bit about what inspires your work in healthcare.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Healthcare was was really a, a second career for me um, in my in my early 40s or so. After spending a couple decades with uh, three different large, multi-billion-dollar kind of global aerospace, defense, manufacturing type companies, um, and and you know, I relocated so many times, moved all over the globe. Uh, that lifestyle became a little difficult on on my family, and so getting into healthcare was was really kind of a planned lifestyle change, um, looking to really improve some work-life balance, uh, be, be in a less cyclical business, you know, really do something fun and interesting in a, in a smaller company, um, and really team up with my best friend from grad school and uh, the founder of Team Select, uh, Mike Lovell. And, uh, you know, it really took me a minute to, to find my passion within the business, and I ended up finding it um, within our pediatrics business, which is, is our business around um, providing nursing care for medically fragile children um, and their families. So we provide that care for them in the home so these children can can spend their time living out their days at home versus in a a hospital or clinical setting. And until I joined Team Select, I really had no idea of the struggles and difficulties that these families face. It's kind of an invisible population to the vast majority of Americans. And what medically fragile really means is children who require frequent or around-the-clock skilled nursing. So these children are usually medically complex. Uh, there's usually an element of technology, oftentimes a ventilator, uh, feeding tubes, and other sorts of complex care. So with, with this population, these children are either cared for in hospitals or skilled nursing facilities, which is very expensive. Um, that's usually a solution around three to $10,000 a day. Or more ideally, which everybody agrees with, is these children um, oftentimes can and should be cared for in the home for a few hundred dollars a day. Uh, they're leveraging technology advancements it's Um, as well as um, having a skilled nursing workforce that can take care of these children in the home. The challenge with that, with the preferred and least expensive model, which is caring for these children in the home, uh, is that most of the care for these children comes from the state Medicaid budgets. And so this is no surprise to anybody. You know, Mm -hmm. people in Medicaid all work hard, want to do the right things, want to take care of these children as bad as anybody does. But due to decades of funding challenges, the, the Medicaid reimbursement rates meaning what Medicaid pays home care agencies like Team Select in order to provide that daily nursing care that these children need in order to, frankly, survive and thrive at home. Those reimbursement rates, depending on the state in general, have been pretty flat for almost 40 years. So, you know, rising way less than 1% a year, not keeping up with inflation, et cetera. So, the, the challenge with that is, as is, is most people in healthcare know, we've got a pretty big nursing shortage. We had it well before COVID and it was highly acute. And now, beyond COVID or post COVID or during COVID, it's, it's made uh, significantly worse. So what that means is it's very difficult to find and retain nurses that specialize in this type of pediatric home care because we have to find them willing to work for significantly less than they can earn in a hospital or clinic setting where the payments are much higher and, and the margins are stronger. So the result is that many of these kids and families don't get the consistent home care uh, nursing that their child needs. So that results in either these children being stuck in hospitals or skilled nursing facilities, like I mentioned, at three to $10,000 a day. Or more likely, it means that a parent or parents are stuck trying to care for these children at home uh, with little or no training or supervision. And, and what that results in is a divorce rate of about 80% uh, for medically fragile families. And that's due to the physical stress, the emotional stress, the financial stress. You haven't had a, a vacation in a in a decade because your child's traked and invented in the living room of your one-bedroom apartment. Uh, so spouses end up arguing over all the those things. And and the worst element of it is because the, the nursing care is either non-existent or sporadic for many of these families because of the, the low reimbursement rates means low salaries can only be offered to the nurses to do this type of care. And so what that means is a lot of the time these shifts don't get filled or the nurse doesn't show up. And what that means is the, the spouses or the parents are then arguing over who's going to put their career at risk next uh, by calling into sick work again for the fifth day in a row or the fourth time in three weeks. And they end up losing their jobs because they can't consistently work outside the home. Uh, and then they end up on food stamps and welfare a lot of the time. So so really helping these families and developing real world and innovative, but simple solutions has become, you know, the main reason I get up every day now and, and clearly what inspires me to, to keep working as hard as I do in healthcare. Uh, the one piece that didn't come true was the work-life balance. I'm uh, still searching for that, but, but helping <laughs> these families has, uh, has definitely given me the inspiration to, to frankly work harder than I've ever worked.
0: Right now. Yeah, Fred. Well, you know, you you have identified a huge problem. And, you know, this this population of of, of kids needing help, the families providing the care, struggling, eighty percent divorce rate. I mean, the reimbursement rates are flat. Yep. And, you know, just tough to retain nurses. Talk to us about what you guys are doing to solve for this mismatch and and resources of time and and demand and care that these kids are are needing?
1: Yeah, you know, I spent 20 some years of my professional career telling every employee I ever managed that there's no such thing as a silver bullet solution in, Mm -hmm. in healthcare business or life. But in this case, this is about as close as it gets. Um, so there's actually a program that we, there's no need to reinvent the wheel here, thankfully. Um, Colorado implemented a, a very special program about 20 years ago aimed at this exact problem. And um, it, it's, it's called different things in Colorado. You, you hear sometimes the parent CNA program, we call it the family CNA program. Others call it the related caregiver program. But really um, what we've learned about these children and what Colorado learned is that it's, it's not the level of care that uh, drives the cost down of these kids and improves the outcome. So what it means is it doesn't necessarily matter whether you send an RN or an LPN, registered nurse or a licensed practical nurse, or whether you, you, you send in a CNA for some of those lower acuity children. And by CNA, we're talking a certified nursing assistant. But what the data shows is not necessarily what level of clinician you send in, but the consistency of the care that those children receive. And there's a direct correlation between the consistency of the care and the lower cost and the lower hospitalization and better healthcare outcomes for these children. So historically in almost every state, um, other than Colorado. If a child qualifies for private duty nursing, could be somewhere as few as a few hours, up to 24 hours a day. Um, every state basically says, you either get a registered nurse or an LPN, or you get nothing. And uh, what's interesting on that is, if you look at the typical care plan for one of these children, if you look at the majority of the hours that the nurse is taking care of that child, there's generally only, depending on the acuity of the child, uh, maybe if the child is, is, has a trach and a, an event, um, that trait needs to be changed each day, and, and, and some suctioning performed, which is definitely a task you want done by an RN or an LPN. And but the rest of the tasks generally are lower acuity. Um, and some in some cases, you know, very lightly skilled type of care like bowel care, G tube feedings, advanced personal care, bathing, assistance with activities of daily living. And so what Colorado did is what most healthcare providers do in in most. Clinical settings, which is to match the level of care with the appropriate level. And cost of a clinician, and so what Colorado basically does, what what Team Select does, and and you know a lot of competitors in Colorado do the same is we take that child and that plan of care, and we evaluate it, and and we look and we see, and what we find is that oftentimes we're able to free up valuable nurses, which are the most precious commodity in all of healthcare right now, uh, because of the, the the lack of supply and, and over demand, and. Uh, we basically free up that, those nurses to maybe work on a handful of cases of different children doing the, the higher acuity tasks. And we take parents and family members. Um, we generally, and again, most of the time, a lot of the time, these are single parents who unfortunately ended up on food stamps and welfare because of the situation. Uh, we will train them for free to become uh, CNAs. It's basically about 120 hours of classroom and clinical training. And we'll take those lower acuity items on the care plan like the ones that I mentioned. And we'll transfer those those hours or those visits and shifts over to the parent. Um, What we get as a result is the state of Colorado gets to save 30 to 40% on every single hour worked that we replace a nurse with a CNA. Uh, We're training people for free for the country's fastest growing job, which is certified nursing assistants or home health aides. We pay them a very solid wage, which is usually enough to lift them and the family off of welfare and food stamps. So we're saving the states a lot of money there as well. Uh, If if they work more than 30 hours a week, we give them and their entire family a full benefits package, the same benefits package that I'm on, um, a full 401k, et cetera. So really uh, what we're doing is really just matching the, the level of care with the appropriate level of clinician and then freeing those nurses up to work more at the higher end of their license and promote them and move them into more supervisory roles. So at the end of the day, the states end up saving tons of money. The families end up in a better position, both financially and, and, and their mental health. The child wakes up to a loving, smiling, happy face every day instead of a stranger or no nurse at all. And so it's, it's really hard to find um you know, too many um, or any real challenges with this program. And um, and the results really kind of speak for themselves.
0: Well, I think it's a, a phenomenal program. You know, what, what parent, if they're already doing the work and they want to see their child do better, wouldn't want to just contribute and get paid for it while they're doing it, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. When we call this program practical innovation. It's a solution that's really been there this whole time. Uh, but outside of Colorado it's as if kind of people were not really looking at it from from the right angle. you know and, and generally speaking the reality is is that no one takes better care of their child than a parent or a loved one. And so now, you know, with decades of data in Colorado, it really supports the fact that, you know, the cost is lowest and the patient outcomes are the best. When these children get the same consistent care they need every day, they get the bowel care they need daily. So they remain infection-free and out of the hospital. Same thing for nutrition and feeding. It's when those things don't happen every day with the traditional private duty nursing model uh, because of the, the reimbursement rate and nursing shortage. It's that when those nurses are non-existent don't show up that those children bounce in and out of the hospital so it's again it's it's really focusing on the parent who never calls in sick never misses a shift provides that 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 strong care to that child every single day, and and then we end up with with amazing amazing outcomes um, at a significantly lower cost.
0: Love it. And you guys, given that you're doing the training and providing the support, you get to bill Medicaid directly to pay for the the families providing the care, and uh, everybody wins.
1: Correct. Yep. And uh, so yeah, so we you know Medicaid, like I mentioned earlier, instead of paying us you know you know somewhere in the high forty dollars an hour. They can pay us in the low 30s to high $20 an hour um, and save money um, basically with each hour that we replace. But, um, you know, that, that continuity of care, if we could talk about just the outcomes for just a quick second, the outcomes that we really get here with these children are, are staggering. And so these children represent about 1% of any state's Medicaid's pediatric population. But that 1% of those children uh, account, or account for more than 40% of. Of Medicaid's pediatric costs. So it's a rate of about 40 to 1 compared to a non-medically fragile child. And of that 40%, only 2% of that is spent on home care and the other 98% of that cost that's spent on these medically fragile children um, is mostly spent on the hospitalizations. So, so going back to the claim I made earlier about the cost and the outcomes driven by the continuity of care, not the level of care, mm-hmm. the, the national hospitalization average uh, for these children is 18.3%. And we've treated over a thousand of these children with this model in the past year in Colorado. And in, in the entire year, only 1.6% of our children ended up in the hospital at any point in time. So that's a 91 and a, almost 91.5% reduction in the hospitalizations. And when we know that the hospitalizations are the majority of the cost, then the savings here, in addition to the hours worked and training people for free and getting people off of welfare and food stamps and giving them benefit packages. You know, it's, it's, it's my belief that, that, you know, we're saving the state of Colorado and then future states who implement this, you know, either tens of millions or in some cases, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars. And at a time of COVID right now, when states desperately need savings and we desperately need these children safe at home out away from hospitals, away from doctors' offices. As a child on a ventilator that's already medically fragile, um, if they end up in a hospital and catch COVID, it's um, it's most likely going to be an impossible type situation and have a very bad outcome. So so we're really trying to push this program even harder right now at a time of COVID because of the of the savings um, as well as the safety um, it enables by keeping these kids safe at home and, and if we can leverage parents a lot of the time instead of nurses and, and stop the flow of so many nurses in and out of the home, then that also
0: keeps these children more safe uh, from COVID and other disease. I think that's wonderful, Fred. And so folks, if you have questions, uh, you, you should definitely visit Fred and his team's website, Team Select Home Care. It's tshc.com. Fred, so you guys are, are operating in, in many states now. Yeah. Uh, I guess the states are seeing the benefits outside of Colorado as well.
1: Yeah. So, you know, this has been uh, about two years of of Myself and the company, a Team Select, kind of lobbying in the background for for these families. What we've realized is that it takes it takes an army of people. So you know, we've begun to 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 really launch more of a of a national public relations kind of campaign, and we're just at the beginning of that. We're de- we're forming alliances with other home care companies um, and a lot of nonprofit groups. Uh, what we've been able to accomplish outside of Colorado is um, this program was legislatively approved. In, in, in actually our home state um, mm-hmm. where we're headquartered in, in Arizona, and that was approved uh, legislatively about a year ago. Unfortunately, with COVID and, and Medicaid resources being scarce, uh, we are still working closely with, with Arizona Medicaid to bring this program to market. Our hope is to have that before this calendar year is out, And um, but we definitely could use some, some urging of other stakeholders. Similarly, um, we had to pass legislation after trying to work with the state of Missouri for a couple years to implement it. Eventually, we we put through legislation, had this program legislatively approved, and we're currently working with them to also bring this program uh, to market, hopefully within the next couple months. Uh, the biggest area right now is, is the health plan for the active military is called TRICARE. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of active military, um, unfortunately, with medically fragile children, and that, that makes it very difficult for those service members to be relocatable by being needed to be close to, to children's hospitals. It makes it, you know, very difficult or impossible for the spouse uh, to work outside the home. So we are uh, currently working with the um, Armed Services Committee and um, seeking to bring this program to all active military nationally through the, the TRICARE benefit. We are, um, we definitely need a little bit more help to, for for people out there to, to help demonstrate the need, but we know that the military and every government budget could definitely use cost savings at a time like this, and we know this program would deliver that. We'd also be training um, military spouses uh, for free, um, giving them uh, employment opportunity while Saving, you know, the the government quite a bit of money there, so we can make military families stronger, more relocatable, and frankly happier in making sure they get the care that their children need. So we're currently looking to multiple other states. New Jersey's a state that we've been trying to work with for a couple of years um, to try to get this program through. So you know, the good news is is it's happening. Uh, the problem is is it's happening too slow to a lot of the a lot of the red tape, which is which is why we're really trying to get the word out now and. and and really get some more followers and people that can kind of join with us on this on this fight.
0: And would you say that's one of the biggest setbacks you guys have had is just the 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 adoption has been slow?
1: Yeah, it really is. You know, we've had I think six governors that we've spoken to, Republican and Democrat, and they all love it. And, and you know what's not to love. Um, right. The challenge is is that you know they kind of throw it over the wall and say, okay, go work with my Medicaid director and and tell me when it's implemented and and you know due to the resource constraints, budget constraints, even though we don't need any budget dollars for this, we we only deliver savings. But it's just been hard with different types of regulations and different little rules here and there, and and the red tape has really slowed things down quite a bit. And that's where you know I just kind of had the the internal dialogue with myself and then the team select team that you know we gotta we gotta make this more of a national problem and um and you know if not us then who and hmm. uh, so the good news is this you know just in the past few weeks when we've really been trying to start to get the word out we're starting to get to generate uh, quite a bit of momentum so my hope is that you know five to 10 years from now, every state will have a program like this. And then hopefully Arizona, Missouri, and and maybe even New Jersey and TRICARE can can really help get this started and a lot of other states begin to follow.
0: Yeah, I love it. Well, it's certainly a phenomenal uh, work that you've dedicated yourself to and the Team Select uh, team has also dedicated themselves to what would you say you're you're most excited about today
1: so I think you know quite honestly this is the first podcast I've ever done so I'm just excited to uh to be kicking one off and and, nice. and start to move down this down this program i think the you know the things I'm probably most excited about is 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 probably that that tricare opportunity just for mm-hmm. for a chance to to help uh, that many military families um you know who who've been you know had to deal with this with this difficult burden in, in their lives so you know i think i think the biggest thing is i'm 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 happy that you know something like COVID, um, which you know doesn't have a lot of silver linings, but that you know it really took something like this, I think, to to enable a program like this and to get people to start to listen. And um, and I'm just really excited about the level of, of of interest and support that we're starting to to kind of receive with um, with competitors putting aside any competitive differences and coming together along with nonprofit groups and families uh, for the best what's in the best interest of these children. So. To me it feels like this is just the beginning and, and I'm I'm excited about where we're going to be a few months from now and, and especially a few years from now.
0: Yeah, that's certainly exciting and uh and we're rooting for you guys. Oh, thank <laughs> so, you. Oh, I really everybody listening. Oh, I really for sure. It.
1: It's it's a hard one not to get behind.
0: It really is. And you know, Fred, when you reached out to tell me about this, I just said, "Wow, yeah, let's do this." <laughs> so, I'm thank so, you so grateful. So much. And I'm grateful for the work that you guys are doing because it's an uphill battle but you know what you guys are are getting wins and, and it's exciting you were gonna say something
1: thank you man yeah we're just we're just kind of refusing to give up so we've been told <laughs> no you know so many times uh, <laughs> but we're not going anywhere and uh, and I appreciate you giving that um, website address to tshc.com at the top of that page there's a there's a button um, that says family cna program and so if anybody listens to this and wants to get in touch with us or, or be on our books for to receive more information or anything You can click um, on that Family CNA Program button and and then scroll to the bottom. There's a place to log your information. And pretty soon um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a place for for families of medically fragile children to put their information in, whether it be in Colorado or Missouri or Arizona, and um, and seek to uh, see if your children, uh, your child and um, you or your spouse or other family members qualify uh, to take part of this program going forward.
0: I love it. That's uh, such a great call to action if you or somebody you know falls into one of those three states and wants to spread the word now's the time just go to the website as we as we shared with you it's TSHC and at the top the link is very clear Family CNA Program scroll down and you'll see all the, all the info and a way to get in touch with the team so Fred I uh, truly appreciate the work you guys are doing the insights that you've shared why don't you go ahead and uh, leave us with a closing thought and then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye.
1: Um, you know, I think my closing thought is um, just because you don't you don't see these children every day in these families because most of the time they're they're stuck inside their homes, but they do exist. The problem has never been more acute than it is now. So if you can help in any way, um, frankly, even if you're a, if if you're a competitor of ours, if you exist in a in a state that we're not in yet, please um, go to that website, get in touch with me, Google me on online, Fred Johnson, Team Select. Or Fred Johnson family CNA uh, you can find me also out on LinkedIn and, and the, even if there's you know no business benefit in this for you know for my company we will be there to, to help support anybody that would like to make a run at this and looking to bring this program to, to whatever state that they live or operate in.
0: love it and uh, so take them up on it folks. Fred's info will be on the podcast show notes uh, link to his LinkedIn profile and any other way that he wants you to connect with him. So make sure you check out the show notes. Uh, just go to the website outcomesrocket.health, type in team select, and you'll see the the entire show notes, a transcript, and most importantly, how to get in touch with Fred. Fred, just brilliant, my friend. I uh, really want to just say thank you again for sharing the outstanding work that you guys are up to.
1: Thank you so much, Saul. I know this 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 podcast is going to get out there and hit a few people. And, and just giving me this opportunity is uh, is bound to help a handful of families and probably a lot more uh, completely change the, the trajectory of their lives. So I can't thank you enough.
0: Hey, everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing production show notes transcripts and operations what if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more that's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more